Okay. Well, let's get this party started. Hello, I'm Father Timothy Matkin, and this is Matins on the St. Francis podcast. Well, thank you for joining us. Today, we want to talk about uh, a little bit changing, evolving season of Advent and uh, look at just a little bit about the history, but more about the more recent history um, and how it's changed over the years. Um, if you would like to write to me, you can write to me at frmatkinapriest.com. You can also, of course, comment down below on the YouTube video. If you're listening on uh, Apple or Spotify, please uh, give us a rating to help us uh, get noticed out there. And uh, if you like this program, please share it on your social medias and help us get noticed. I appreciate that very much. We want to have as our opening prayer the prayer that was composed for, we might say, the season of Advent, um, because the the original prayer for the first Sunday in Advent in the prayer book is directed to be used as the collect that follows the collect of the day thereafter. So it is not just the prayer for the first Sunday in Advent, but it is the seasonal collect as well. In the more recent prayer books, starting with 79 in the United States, um, they followed the Roman pattern in the new order of only having one collect of the day. The old pattern was to have either one or three or five or seven. For whatever reason, an an odd number was um, assumed to be the the most appropriate and fitting for the number of collects. And so you would follow the main collect of the day with the seasonal collect and then one of your choice. Also, before we look at that, consider that... um, Thomas Cranmer, when he composed the Book of Common Prayer, what he wanted to do is weave some of these riches of Scripture into the prayers. And in fact, the prayer book, in a sense, is Scripture at prayer. Scripture lived into a conversation with God. And so the epistle for that first Sunday in Advent is from Romans 13, beginning in verse 8. Uh, So I'm not going to read the whole thing, but... um, Listen to how it um, talks about, um, well, let's, let's read the whole thing. So it says, owe, man, owe no man anything but to love one another, for he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. For this thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet, and if there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Love worketh no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. So he's, Paul is laying the, the groundwork there. How do you honor God? How do you fulfill his law you love? And knowing the time that now it is nigh time to awake out of sleep. So it's time to wake up and start doing this. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness, and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ, and make not provision for the flesh, to fulfill the lust thereof. 
And in many ways, this really sets the season uh, on its right footing. Um, Advent is all about waking up, being ready, living the gospel values in the world today, being ready when Christ returns. And so Cranmer takes these themes and elements and weaves them into his prayer for the collect for the first Sunday in Advent. So it goes like this, and let us pray. Almighty God, give us grace that we may cast away the works of darkness and put upon us the armor of light. Now in the time of this mortal life, in which thy Son, Jesus Christ, came to visit us in great humility, that in the last day, when he shall come again, in his glorious majesty to judge both the quick and the dead, we may rise to the life immortal, through him who liveth and reigneth with thee and the Holy Ghost, now and forever. Amen. So what we want to do is, uh, for a little bit, talk about the origins of Advent. Advent, of course, is a time of preparation for uh, the approaching festival of Christmas. And since we have parallel developments with uh, both Christmas and Easter and the times of preparation leading up to that, it's a time of penance, it's a time of fasting. Um, and in fact, all of the big feast days are preceded by fasting. Um, for most of them, it's just the day before. Uh, so the day before a big feast of an apostle or something like that, you would have a period of fasting. If it was more, then you would have more times of fasting. And so Christmas and Easter being the most prominent, of course, had the most extensive times of fasting and preparation. Um, but it also begins to take on its own character of, uh, uh, well, much like we just heard uh, about waking up and about putting off the works of darkness and putting on the armor of light and so on. And around the 700s, we begin to see um, a really solid uh, tradition about Advent. And it seems to originally be a five-week Advent. And basically what you have are the remnants of that. If you look in the old prayer books, the Sunday for the, the last Sunday of the year, right before Advent comes, the prayer, uh, the collect, is stir up. And it's stir up Sunday. And um, in England, that is supposed to be a reminder of something. Go stir up your ingredients for your Christmas pudding or something. Um, but that stir up is a, an indication and a reminder of that five-week Advent. Um, and, now, at some point, that was just fell by the wayside. So it's stir up, we beseech thee, O Lord, the wills of thy faithful people, that they plenteously bringing forth the fruits of good works may by thee be plenteously rewarded. So basically, all of the old collects for Advent are along that stir-up line. We might even call it stir-up season, <laughs> because that seems to be the dominant expression that comes through the prayers of Advent. In the rite of Milan, the Ambrosian rite, uh, they have, I'm not sure about the Novus Ordo, um, but at least in the old rite, they had a six-week Advent. And so Advent begins uh, after um, Martinmas. Uh, the Feast of St. Martin on November 11th. As things evolved for the wider church, uh, it begins on the Sunday closest to St. Andrew. Uh, so it could be as early, I believe, as uh, November 27th, which is what it was uh, this go-around. Uh, or it could be uh, as late as, well, let me see, I think I have some notes here. As late as December 3rd. 
So in that case, it would be only 21 days, and if it's November 27th, it will be 28 days. So that's the uh, span of length that Advent can be. This year, Advent is as long as it possibly can be. Well, let me see. Any other notes historically to mention before we get into the evolution? I think that does it. it we, we might do a, a, a study on the origins um, sometime uh, before we get to Christmas, but now we want to look at the evolution of Advent. So let me read through the collects um, from the Missal, from before the prayer book, so you get a, a sense of what they're asking for as we go through the season. And then we'll look at the Gospels and see what they're talking about. And this, thus, what do we have as the theme for Advent? So this is the old missal, which leads into the old traditional prayer books. So the colic for the first Sunday of Advent, and I'm just reading from a, a Latin-English side-by-side uh, -side, uh, hand missal here. Stir up thy power, O Lord, we, we pray thee, and come with thee for our protector and redeemer. May we earn deliverance and safety from the perils that threaten us by reason of our sins. And I'll just drop off the doxology and we'll, we'll look at the petitions. So that's the first Sunday. The second Sunday, stir up our hearts, O Lord, to make ready the paths of thine only begotten Son, so that his coming we may enable be enabled to serve thee with our minds that have been cleansed. So again, very much the same approach. Stir up the third Sunday of Advent, and the third Sunday is the Refreshment Rose Sunday. We beg of thee, or we beseech thee, O Lord, a hearing for our prayers. By the grace of thy coming, lighten the darkness of our minds. And then on the fourth Sunday, we've got to flip through the, all the ember days, which follow on the, th on the third Sunday. We need to do a study of the ember days, too, because that's really fascinating. For the fourth Sunday, stir up thy power, O Lord, we pray thee, and come, and by thy great might help us, so that by the help of thy grace, that salvation which our sins impede may be hastened by thy merciful forgiveness. So those are the collects of Advent in the Old Missal. Now let's look at what the Gospels are talking about. And the Gospels will lay out the themes of the various Sundays and the, the theme of Advent in general as we go along. So the Gospel for the first Sunday of Advent comes from Matthew chapter 21, beginning in verse 1 in the prayer book. In the Missal... It is from Luke 21, beginning in verse 25. And both of them are uh, references to the apocalypse. But in Luke, it's more direct. Um, so we have one of the little apocalypses from the Gospels. Uh, Luke uh, uh, says Jesus was telling his disciples, the sun and the moon and the stars will give signs, and on earth nations will begin distress. There will be the roaring of the waves and the sea. Men's heart will faint with fears. They wait the troubles that are overtaking the world. The very powers of heaven will be shaken. And then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with his full power and majesty. When all this begins, look up and lift up your heads. It means that your salvation is drawing near. 
and he told them a parable. Look at the fig tree and any trees. And you, you can see by the, the leaves, you know, what, what, season, what season it is. So you can look at the world and see what approaching season it is. Though heaven and earth will pass away, my words will not pass away. And then I, I'm, I'm guessing that this was the same in the Ceremuse in England. Uh, it may not be. Uh, I'll have to check on that. But in the first prayer book, uh, Cranmer decided that um, the gospel would be something different and yet the same. So it talks about the second coming, but it does so typologically. So it, we get the gospel from Matthew 21, verse 1, which is the Palm Sunday gospel, which is a very interesting approach, because what do we find in Palm Sunday? The king riding into Jerusalem in triumph, hailed as king. And this is basically a typological representation of the second coming. When Jesus returns in power and glory, hailed as king to rule in his holy city. So the first Sunday of Advent across the board clearly is the second coming. And uh, it's, <laughs> you know, the, the old... Uh, Christmas song is beginning to look a lot like Christmas. Well, when Advent begins, it's beginning to look a lot like the apocalypse, um, which is sort of rings true more and more year after year. But the first, we begin with the reminder that Christ is coming again in glory. Now let's look at the second Sunday of Advent. What do we have in the Missal, and what do we have in the prayer book? And also we should make note that uh, Romans, Romans 13 is the epistle, is, is the same in both for the first Sunday in Advent. For the second Sunday in Advent, um, let's check the uh, epistle, uh, Romans uh, 15 and Romans 15, for, beginning, beginning in verse 4. It's the same for both. In the Missal, we have Matthew 11, and in the prayer book, we have Luke 21. So what we have here is in the prayer book, they take the gospel for the first Sunday of Advent and move it back to the second. So in the prayer book, we have that passage that we just talked about where Jesus says, look in the signs of the heavens, look in the signs of the, like the fig tree. You can see when the season is approaching, so get ready. Heaven and earth will pass away, my words will not pass away. What do we find in the Missal? What we find is, um, let me see where we are, second Sunday, Matthew 11, beginning in verse 2. At this time, John heard in prison of Christ's doings, and he sent two disciples to inquire, are you the one or should we wait for another? That's basically what we had this past Sunday in the uh, three-year lectionary. So, in the Missal, it's a John the Baptist Sunday. It's about fulfillment of Messianic prophecy because Jesus says, go back and tell him what you see. What you see is all the Messianic signs. So yes, indeed, I am the Messiah. But in the prayer book, what we have is more apocalyptic material. So you have two Sundays of apocalyptic material to start out in the old traditional prayer books. In the Missal, you have one Apocalypse Day and then you begin on the second one with uh, Messianic signs. Let's look at the third Sunday. And we should also mention that Cranmer, for the first two Sundays, 
uh, rewrote the collects. Uh, so for the second, for well, for both, he took um, his as his inspiration and source material the epistle for the day. On the third Sunday, he just translated the old collect. Uh, but in the 1662, they decided to write a new one uh, based on the idea of John the Baptist being the great messenger uh, who preached repentance and so on. So let's look at the third Sunday. What do we find on the third Sunday? In the Missal, we find John 1. This time the Jews drew near to, um, to Jerusalem to ask John, Who are you? And he said the truth. He did not conceal. I am not the Christ. Then they said, Are you Elijah? No. Are you a prophet? No. Who are you? He says, I am the voice that Isaiah talked about, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. So the record of John is basically what we have for the third Sunday in Advent in the Missal. What do we have in the third Sunday of Advent um, for the uh, prayer book? Well, we have Matthew 11, verse 2. When John had heard in prison the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples. So, interestingly, again, we're following a week behind the old Missal. Now, as I said, I'm, and I apologize, I should have thought to look this up, um, but it could be that the serum use um, is what is being followed here in the prayer book. Or it could be that they decided to make some changes. And I don't know exactly which one it is, because sometimes it's one and sometimes it's another. There are discrepancies in the lectionary with uh, some of the local uses, usages uh, in medieval times. So we're a week behind here uh, for the uh, second and the third Sunday. What do we find on the fourth Sunday? Well, that week behind pattern continues. So we have the record of John on the fourth Sunday in the prayer book. Well, we've already had that in the Missal, so what do we have for the fourth Sunday in the Missal? Let's look it up. What we have, we go back to Luke. Luke 3 verses 1 through 6. And here we have, it was the 15th year of Emperor Tiberius' reign, Pontius Pilate, governor of Judea, when Herod was prince in Galilee, his brother Philip, Tetrarch, and so on. And the voice of uh, the word of God came to John in the wilderness, and he went all over the country round about the Jordan, announcing a baptism whereby men repented to have their sins forgiven. As it was written in the book of the sayings, the prophet Isaiah, there's one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. So we have the baptism, Baptist uh, passage in the Missal. So what, would, what do we find when we look at the overarching theme of Advent? We have that of second coming. We have that of preparation. We have as the exemplar, the messenger, John, the forerunner, preaching repentance, calling us to new lives. We don't have any first coming material, basically. We don't have any annunciation. We don't have any uh, visitation. We don't have any pregnancy era stuff, which you would think leading up to Christmas, because bang, you have a baby being born. But what you do have is something that fits along the chronological pattern, but you have the annunciation nine months before Christmas. It always falls in the middle of Lent. Well, not always, but usually follows in the middle of Lent. And so 
that is where you get the pregnancy material. That's where you get the Annunciation. It's back on the Feast of the Annunciation, March 25th, nine months before Christmas. So you don't get that in Advent. Um, you just turn to it when you get to Christmas. Now let's look and see how things have evolved with Advent in the three-year cycle of readings, because it is different, and they intentionally decided to make it different. Oh, and we should also mention um, that uh, the parallel between Advent is really, I think, perhaps more with pre-Lent than with Lent. So if you recall pre-Lent or Septuagesima, those three Sundays before Lent begins, are Shrovetide, uh, that's where you get Shrove Tuesday, where you're shriven for your sins, where you basically go make your confession. And then Lent is the time to serve your penance, to do, serve your sentence, if you will, that you're given uh, when you go make your confession. And so I think the parallel with Advent is more for pre-Lent, perhaps, than it is for Lent, although there are elements of both. Uh, both are definitely penitential seasons. That's been emphasized less uh, over the years. Um, but both are times of fasting. Uh, both are times where our purple is worn, where folded chasubles are worn, um, where uh, flowers are prohibited, where the organ is prohibited, uh, except, of course, on the, on the rose Sundays in both of those seasons. Well, let's look at the pattern in the three-year lectionary and how they rearranged things. So one thing that remained stable is that that first Sunday is Apocalypse Now Sunday. So we have apocalyptic passages for the first Sunday. We don't have um, the Palm Sunday gospel used typologically. Um, and in fact, you know, if they had asked me, and they didn't, of course I wasn't around back then, but if they had asked me, you know, how should we go from a one-year lectionary to a three-year lectionary, what I would have said, and I think would have been the common assumption of a lot of people, is, okay, you just take that one-year lectionary, you make that year A, and then you build in alternatives to those readings as year B and C. But that's not what they decided to do. They decided to take a different approach and basically work from scratch. But they did thematically uh, keep up... Um, that apocalyptic message for the first Sunday. What about the second Sunday? What do you find over the course of the three years? Well, in year A, you have John the Baptist issuing a strong warning to his hearers that they must repent and prepare themselves for the coming of the Messiah. In year, um, whoops, turn two pages there. First Sunday of Advent, second Sunday, there we go. Year B, you have Mark 1, uh, as, the promise, uh, as promised by the prophet Isaiah, John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness where he taught the need for repentance. People confessed their sins and were baptized by John in the river Jordan. John told them that the Lord was coming and that he would baptize them with the Holy Spirit. So again, year B, John the Baptist. Year C, Luke, Luke 3, 1. Luke places the ministry of John the Baptist in the context of history and reminds us that the prophet Isaiah had foretold that John would come to prepare the way of the Lord. 
So across the board, A, B, and C, Sunday 1 is Apocalypse Sunday. Sunday 2 is John the Baptist announcing repentance. Repent and be baptized. Prepare your hearts. What about the third Sunday? Well, year A has Matthew 11, when John the Baptist, who was in prison, sent his followers to ask if he's the Messiah. Jesus responds, go tell them what you see and hear. You see messianic signs indicating that, yes, I am the Messiah. In year B, John is in um, John 1, beginning in verse 6, the priests and Levites came from Jerusalem to ask John the Baptist who he was. They pressed him with questions. He told them he was not the Messiah, nor Elijah, nor any other prophet. They wanted to know why he was baptizing. John replied, I baptize with water, but among you stands one whom you do not know. John was aware that he was sent to prepare the way of the Lord. And then year C, what we have for the gospel is Luke 3, verses 7 through 18. John the Baptist warned people they must repent. When the people had asked what they must do, he told them to share what they had, to collect no more than was due, to be content with what was earned, with what they earned. So in other, in other words, to live out those kingdom values. So that's how you get ready for the kingdom, as you start living uh, as if the kingdom has already arrived. So in the third Sunday, we have a, a little bit more of a spread, but all of them are connected by John the Baptist, by his ministry, by his message. And what we find is his message is taking root. It's being uh, fulfilled, I guess you might say. So in the three-year lectionary, first Sunday, Apocalypse, second Sunday, Repent and Be Baptized, third Sunday, more John the Baptist material. And then what about the fourth Sunday? Well, they decided to make a big change with the fourth Sunday. They decided to go Incarnation Sunday. Uh, so this will cover basically the pregnancy period. So we have pregnancy material right before we get to Christmas. Now, makes sense. Makes perfect logical sense. However, it is a change, and it does change the character of Advent. So we went from having no pregnancy material in Advent to having Pregnancy Sunday, I guess you'd say. Um, whereas in the old scheme, you had pregnancy, the feast, the Annunciation, nine months ago. So all of this time has been Pregnancy Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. Even though you didn't have the focus on that, it was all growing, hidden in the background. So year A, what do we have for the gospel in year A? Well, we have from Matthew 1, the story of Jesus' birth. Um, Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and his name shall be called Emmanuel. So we have uh, the story of the Annunciation from Matthew. Uh, in year B, uh, we have from Luke on the fourth Sunday, Luke 1, beginning in verse 26 through 38. Uh, Jesus' miraculous birth is promised. And this reading emphasizes that the child is to be named and the titles by which he will be described, Son of the Most High, the Lord will give to him the throne of his father David, and so on. And then in year C, what we have is what follows right after that, Luke 1, 39 to 49, Mary goes to visit her cousin Elizabeth, and basically you have the visitation uh, gospel for the year C. 
So in, in year A, from Matthew, we have the Annunciation, but we also have uh, a focus on Joseph. So Joseph wonders what he's supposed to do about all this. And we get assurance from the angel that it's okay, it's a part of the Lord's plan. And in fact, as Matthew does throughout his gospel, he gives us kind of a, a study in the fulfillment of prophecy. This happened to fulfill what was spoken of by the prophet long ago who said such and such. And here he refers back to Isaiah, a virgin will conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name God with us, Emmanuel. Year B is the more familiar Annunciation passage from Luke, and year C is the visitation. So the fourth Sunday in Advent in the three-year scheme is Pregnancy Sunday, Incarnation Sunday, and then we see the manifestation of that, the revealing of that to the world at the Nativity when we get to Christmas. So I hope that's given you kind of an overall impression about the uh, evolution of Advent over the years. Um, so going from the one year to the three year, we have the biggest change in the reordering of things. The one year cycle is all about preparation, all about second coming. It's all John the Baptist material once we get past the apocalyptic passages. But in, year, uh, in the three-year cycle, we have more of a spread. We begin with the apocalypse, but then we go to the preparation material, and then we end with the incarnational material. As to which is best, I'll leave that up to others to decide. My, my kind of default approach to all these things is uh, I wish they would just stop tinkering with stuff and changing stuff. Let's just leave it the way it was to start with. Um, is that the right approach? I don't know. Maybe things could use improvement, maybe not, but that's what we have. And that's what we have as a, a material for us to get into the mystery of Christ and his incarnation and to prepare our hearts to meet the Lord. Well, I will probably visit again on Thursday. We'll see you then. Not sure exactly yet what we'll be talking about, but uh, I guess we will find out. Well, God bless. <music>